Happy Wednesday. That 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 intro always gets gets me moving. <laughs> yeah, I, was I, I don't know how you can help but just like move a little bit <laughs> while you're listening to it, especially when that steel drum starts in the middle. There, I love steel drums. Once upon a time, I tried to convince John that it would be the same as playing real drums. We just needed to get some, and he's like, "You know, not." <laughs> And then it turned out to be a very expensive um, suggestion on my part. So we dropped it. (laughs) But wouldn't that be so fun in worship? It would be Mm -hmm. so fun. I would love to have them as part of our worship. Me too. Lord Jesus, send us a steel drummer player person. Amen. Yes. Amen. With the drums. With the drums. drums. Yes. Yes, Lord. Well. Hey, on that note, if you ever want to watch an interesting video, go watch how they're made. It's really neat. Anyways, oh, sorry. it's really interesting. That is interesting. Well, I was just going to say, welcome, Lisa, from Westbrook, Connecticut. Oh, welcome, John. Hi, John. From the basement. Back at it again in the basement. <laughs> and it's freezing down here. I am so chilly, but my my coffee is is keeping me warm. All right, you guys, we are going to, we we have a new mission. You know, with every new season, God is faithful to to really be clear about what it is that, that he's after. Do we have all the details? Absolutely not. But he gives big pictures. And I think the fun of it is diving in and, and being able to kind of pull it all together and, and attempt to make sense. Of, of what it is that he's calling us to do. And so I'll tell you, we have like the, the what is it? The 30,000 foot view <laughs> of the thing. And, um, but we don't quite know what it, what it all looks like. But we wanted to introduce this morning um, a, a new mission statement that, that we put together. And I'll, I'll read it for you. I'm sure Vince is going to throw it into the chat for us. But it says this. We exist to mark and mobilize a generation who embody the true essence of discipleship, embracing the paradox of life emerging from death and the cost of following Jesus. We are charged with governing the fire and fanning wild flames to go out and disciple the nations. It's it's a it's a big mission. I mean, w- when you really start diving into it and dissecting it piece by piece, it's a big mission. And mostly we don't have the answers. But what I will tell you is that we have all the questions right now, which is such a good place to be because we become so much more reliant on Holy Spirit to guide us when we don't have all the answers. We get ourselves in trouble when we have all of the answers, I believe. And <laughs> and, and we just go headstrong after the thing because we are know-it-alls. But in this season, we don't have all the answers. We have um, just a whole lot of questions. Before we get started, and I'm totally putting him on the spot, but um, Vince, would you just break down for us the, the point of a, a mission statement, what that means for an organization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to that last, et cetera, but we'll try. Um, <laughs> Do your best. <laughs> okay. Mission statement. Mission statement is about right now. It, it's not about uh, where the organization is going in the future. It is about right now, the direction we are taking, the things that we are doing day to day. 
this is this is something that helps direct uh, actions that you take, um, programs you set in place, all, all of these things, and, and it plays in in conjunction with vision. But we have to understand the differentiation between the two. That vision is far off. Mission is right now. Uh, mission is also something that is is forward facing for people to see, to know why an organization exists. And so you you can see in, in this new mission statement that we have why unedited life exists, what it is that we are doing, what it is that we're going after, we're going after uh, mobilizing a generation of disciples and not disciples unto people, but disciples unto Jesus. And so that's kind of getting into that. But uh, that that is the essence of a mission statement is it's right now. It's 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 so you can see what it is we are doing and going after and and be able to answer the question of of why are you here? Yeah, yeah, and 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 one of the easiest things for me to understand because this is how God taught me was, and of course I'm going to talk about the cornfield now because it has everything to do with everything. <laughs> Back in 2018, when the cornfield was my um, ministry, um, God and the ba- it was baby little baby corns corns <laughs> plants. <laughs> I like corn better. <laughs> um, and you know, you could see, you could see far. And when when it's nothing but farmland, you can see far. And um, and and God was just teaching me that you know you have to learn to see while you can, because later in the summer He drew my attention to that moment when the corn is is so tall that it's it's taller than you. You feel surrounded. You feel closed in by it. And, and it is becoming you, so to speak. And, and that for me is when you're in mission, the thing is becoming real. You can taste it. You might not be able to articulate it, but it is surrounding you and you can't escape it. And so I don't know if that's helpful for anybody listening, but that was really helpful for me to understand that we have to be able to capture vision before we are surrounded, because at that point you're in it. And, um, and, and, and you are on mission and, and you've got to, you've got to know where it is that you're going. So let's just dig into this. We exist to mark and mobilize a generation to, to embody the true essence of discipleship. Discipleship. What is it? What is it not? Um, I, I think that, um, for me, because my, my last venture was in a college town, discipleship was somewhat of a, a catchphrase, a buzzword, and, and was the thing to do. We must be discipling somebody. And, and what that looked like was coffee shop dates. Um, unfortunately, what it did not look like was Jesus. And um, there was a whole lot of discipling unto self and causing the disciple to, um, to, to draw that person back in and, and for them to become like the discipler. And, um, and that's, that's not the true essence of discipleship. Discipleship should be pushing people further and further into to Jesus. Do we know what this is all going to look like? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie about that. I don't, I don't have, I don't have the first clue, but I am willing and I'm open to be like, Jesus, whatever you want this to look like. And here's the deal. It should not look the same. 
with each person. I mean, it's like parenting. All three of us have kids. Were were you guys able to parent each of your children the same? No. It, it gets I you in trouble. Good. It gets you into trouble. Our 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 first kid, you know, we were able to parent him in a completely different way than, uh, and we t- attempted to overlay the same thing onto our our first uh, daughter. And oh my gosh, that got us into so much trouble because she is strong willed, strong headed. She knows what she wants. She's the, a challenger, and, and she just operated so much different than than Dylan. And it got us into trouble to attempt to parent her in the exact same way. Dylan was far more compliant. I know, hard to believe today, but he was far <laughs> more compliant <laughs> as a little boy than than what Elise was. And 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 when you're when you're attempting to see to overlay the same same person to person you're going to miss the treasure that is inside of that person because you're not taking the time to truly investigate what is in this person and we know that the prophetic helps us like we can we can pull on the prophetic to really gain intel person to person and and be asking god what what does it look like to step in and and disciple this person to push them further and further into you i don't know both of you can jump in and offer some wisdom on discipleship maybe what you've seen what's good what's bad um seeing good and bad i I don't know if i've uh witnessed something truly good from like hey this is where we started uh, and here is this person launching off and and we've gone from more of a a a discipleship type relationship to more of a mentoring type relationship yeah where it's it's um more just questioning than anything and uh so I, I don't know. I could say that that I've seen that done uh, well from all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen some pretty good examples short term, um, but you know, a lot of bad examples. Uh, a lot of the uh, the language of my disciples or my disciple over here, and and I understand the sense of ownership there, but uh, the the way that it came out, uh, it, it did not intend to. Uh, display an ownership in that uh, I'm responsible for uh, discipling this person unto Jesus. It was, it was a possessive type thing. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just not a lot there. Um, One of the things that uh, we see in, in scripture is in John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Mm. And knowing him as the word and knowing him as the truth, uh, it's very important and, and really taking this, this uh, uh, true essence of discipleship to, to mean following after him strictly and without compromise and, and with minimal distraction. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things that, that I, I just have a question about, you know, like what is the true essence of discipleship? And I think you nailed it. It's not going to be the same for everyone. It's, it's going to look different. It just, it, it, it can't be the same because uh, 
uh, again, God didn't make a bunch of little clones out there where we all have the same look, the same personality, the same thoughts, same actions, because, you know, that's boring. Right. And, and there wouldn't be any need for, for anything if that were the case. And so uh, I, I think that's something that we have to, to make sure that we are paying attention to and, and really embracing the fact that, uh, and not just embracing, but celebrating the fact that we aren't the same and that this, this true essence of discipleship isn't going to be, isn't going to be uh, uh, something we can just systematize and apply over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Pepper, jump in. Well, and that point that you make, the cookie cutter discipleship is in part a large reason why discipleship has failed. And I'm all for having guidelines and, and programs and mission statements. I love all that. But I think uh, in our modern world, we've lost the biblical value of what it is to model discipleship and that element of discipleship that is caught. Yeah. And so I think not just as leaders, because on some level, we're all leaders. We're all leading someone. Oh, so sure. I think as leaders, um, we have to remember that, you know, because part of our mission statement was get letting people see what the cost is of following Jesus. And that's something that you'll never be able to disciple someone from a book. They have to see it. You know, there will be people who come who don't have any word in them yet. And so like Jesus was the living word for his disciples, we'll have to be a version of that for people that don't have roots yet. And so I, I don't think we can dismiss what it is like to be that role model for people for death and resurrection mm -hmm. and to live out loud and to the way I see it as sometimes helping people know the cost is they see it in your own life. And then when they reach that juncture, sometimes it's taking them by the hand and helping them into the fire. You know, mm. sometimes it's like uh, for the Hebrew boys, uh, Jesus was that fourth man in the fire. Yeah. Sometimes we may have to be that fourth person in the fire for them, you know, um, so I think on some level it's, uh, it's living out loud, you know, and that's a process, you know, we're used to conferences and workshops that say, you know, in this intensive weekend, you're going to know what it is to be X and do X and, and that gives us good activation and good jump starts, but there's nothing that can substitute process. Mm-hmm. And in our instant world, that's something that most of us don't usually like that much. It's the process of discipling and the process of being discipled. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so true. And the other the other thing that you have to take into consideration is that in our in the current um discipleship model, it's it's the same person with the same person. And I just don't think that that's gonna cut it. 
I think that in the same way that all three of us have different giftings, different leanings, different tendencies, different anointings, we need a well-rounded generation that is brought up, which means that we all have to have a hand in this. And, and I love that you're touching on it, not being programmed and, and, and systematic kind of a thing, because it needs to have the organic feel of family. It, it needs to, to, um, to, to just happen. It needs to become part of our lifestyle that we're willing to disciple one another. And, and, you know, we've, we've pointed to, am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. And so if, if discipleship becomes part of the DNA of a, a ministry, that means you're taking every moment to step into that role and, and, and it becomes a, a reality. Now we can look at, we can look at the prophetic and realize that um, typically when God is releasing a word over someone, he's leaving a margin for growth. He's not announcing you have arrived, right? It's, it's mostly conditional. Like there, when God releases a word over someone, he, he is, he's creating a growth path. For that person. And we have to know full well what it is that God is calling people into. And so when we are having those family moments around the table, we, we realize like, I know, I know what God's calling out of this person. So in just common conversation, we can start to pull on different things. And, um, you know, it, I, I haven't even shared this with Vince, but I'm going to share it right here. So it's no big deal. But I, I was listening to Rebecca's prophecies over the both of you. And I listened to him several times the other day because it, I am my brother's keeper. You know, I'm taking this seriously and I need to know what it is that, that God is saying over you guys so that I know how to pull. And, and one of the things that she prophesied over both of you is Vince, that you are a true father and Pepper, that you are to be a mother. Like <laughs> you can't be a sister anymore. You've got to be a mother. And there was such a sternness to, to the way that, that, that she was sharing these things. And, um, and, and yesterday, Vince and I were having a conversation about there's things that need to be done with the sound and whatnot. And we were also having a dinner uh, last night and going to play pickleball afterwards. And Vince was like, well, you know what, I can get started on that tomorrow. And in the middle of that, God was like, do you know who he is? And I was reminded, he's a true father. And God said this to me. He was like, a father never gets up from the table until all the children are done eating. And I was like, so <laughs> struck by that. Where normally I wouldn't want to go against something or even like pretend to tell someone what to do. I was like, I can't. Like, this is my job to hold this line now. Like, God is pulling something out of my friends right now, the leaders of this organization. And it's my job to step into the space of discipling and go, no, like we really need to be downstairs <laughs> and, and, and modeling something in these moments. Are we there yet? Absolutely not. But we are at least, our, our, our spirit is open to, to learning. What does it mean to truly have an organization whose essence is discipleship? And, and the next line, embracing the paradox of life, emerging from death and the cost of following Jesus that's that's the 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 ultimate that we're after is is um to raise up a people who can embrace that reality that unto death they're they're willing to to point to Jesus and i i honestly i don't want anything to do with it 
if, if it's going to be something that's pointed back to any individual because he's worthy and he's the only one found worthy of that level of credit. And one of the things that he said over the, the weekend of the conference was, it was kind of like one of those letters in, in the book of Revelation, this I have against you, North America, you've traded glories. You traded my power, my glory for your very own. And that's what you've put on display. And it was almost like you, you've you made your bed, not lie in it. And, um, and at the same time, you know, an invitation to, to drop our lesser glory for what it is that he has for us. And, and this is, that's what we've done in, in our, our westernized church is we've put ourselves on display to the point of we're even reaching out for prophetic words just to boast in who we are. We are not rightly using the prophetic to point to Jesus. Everything that is released over us by the mouth of God should cause us to point back to Jesus, but it's not. Even in the grabbing of the prophetic, we're, we're just wanting to bolster self. And, and so I, I, I feel cautioned even in that, in releasing personal prophecy is like, ooh, it, it, what, what is this unto? What, what, what is going to happen with this? And, and we don't understand the, the weight of the burden of carrying the very words of God. Like we haven't, we haven't properly weighed it. And so there's all kinds of things that, that, that I'm thinking clearly from me in a, a discipleship arena, you're going to get the, the, the prophetic in like a curated version of like, this is, hold on, like you need to make sure that, that you're stewarding this rightly. And uh, whereas, you know, and, and both of you have such a, a teacher element to you uh, along with many other things, but I, I'm just curious from your own giftings, what do you feel that discipleship looks like coming from you? Uh, for me, I, I would have to touch first on what you're just talking about, where uh, someone is is reaching out for personal prophetic words. Uh, and if you have one and you haven't partnered with it and, and seen fruit from that thing, you, you shouldn't be reaching out for another one. If, if, uh, somebody with a strong prophetic giftings or somebody in the office of a prophet comes and brings you one, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But if you are soliciting this thing, um, then you shouldn't because that, that is one of the, the biggest things that um, where God has me right now. And where one of the things I see with discipleship as, as a facet of that is what is the words that he's given you? Yeah. Have you partnered with these things? Have you looked at these and, and taken action with the faith that says this thing is true and I know it's coming to pass and there is a promise waiting for me, whatever that looks like. And, and even if, if like Abraham, he asked me to lay down that promise, I'm going to do it when I get there. But that, that, that is going to be one of those first things for me is, is what's that prophetic word? And how are you partnering with that? What are you doing to chase after Jesus with the, the prophetic word that he has given you? I, I think I think that is one of the the big things right there. Um, and and along with that and, and running parallel as one of the, the first steps uh, uh, is is a commitment. You have to be committed 
to to paying the cost of of following Jesus, like like we talked about here, embracing the paradox of life emerging from death. Yes, the the death of, uh, or life emerging from death that doesn't seem to make sense, uh, but you know, in the kingdom, that is, that is the way it is. And we saw that with Jesus being raised from the dead and the fact that we were uh, credited with that ourselves. And so uh, understanding that the the cost that it is, is going to take to follow Jesus and, and not just glossing over the the words of saying it's going to cost everything. Yes. It's going to cost everything. What does that actually mean for you? Let's start start listing out everything, everything you can think of that it's going to cost you or, or you could potentially uh, be prompted to, to give up in, in pursuit of him and, and committing to that. Uh, and, and I would almost say, you know, as that teacher element, commit to it in writing, write it all down. This is what I can see right now that I know it's going to cost me. And I am signing as a commitment to follow after him uh, um, without concern, without fear of, of this list over here and anything else that comes up, this is what it is. And and then figuring out from there, you you have to dig into the prophetic more because Mm -hmm. this is where you have to, to draw on that person with that strongest prophetic gifting to say, okay, what is it going to start looking like for this person in particular? bring in the apostolic. Okay. Let's start building strategy now to, to walk out this discipleship and and what's it unto, where's it going? Because I think everybody has a calling and I think that's got to be baked into this, this discipleship as well. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a, a, a general shell of what it would look like with me. Yeah. Pepper. For me, I think, um, to begin with, especially if we're talking in terms of fathering and mothering discipleship Mm -hmm. in that form, uh, there has to be relationship formed, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you think about with your own children, long before you became a corrective voice or a disciplinary voice, there was a bond first. And so I think where there is, hasn't been at least a beginning of forming a bond that we will tend to be sharp, maybe in areas where we don't need to be sharp Mm -hmm. or excessive in areas where we don't need to be excessive. And there will be no restraint for us because when you think about your children, sometimes you think, oh, and the thing that holds you back from that, oh, is your love for them. So I think that's a big part of being a spiritual mother and father. And two, also, there's things that you know about your children that uh, even, even their father has a different relationship than you have with them. And so I think of it like, um, you know, if if someone has come and told me that that my child did something. I'm not going to discount that, but I want to evaluate it from my view. And I almost look at that when there's no bond and then you're just trying to correct people off of what you've heard. Um, it's almost like uh, 
maybe this is too strong a word, but it's almost like taking someone up someone else's offense. Yeah. And so we have to be careful, you know, being put in that position that we, we might develop our own irritations about it, but they're our own, <laughs> you know, it's not someone else's offense. So I think a big part of discipling and mothering, fathering and leading is relationship. Because mm-hmm. if, if you have that love of Jesus, then it, it, it will help you with the tension of when you need to be sharp and when you need to uh, come at things at a different angle. And I, I um, when I was thinking about this, uh, one scripture that came to me was uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 24. Let's see, I'll read uh, 23 just to give you a little bit of context. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And this is the one that's highlighted to me. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Mm -hmm. And so when there's that individual bond and relationship, you will know what's the best way to provoke this person. And I like that word that uh, they say motivate in this translation, but King James Version says provoke. Mm. And then another version says spur. And I like those two words because they are a little stronger yes. when you're provoking. Now, again, uh, scripture says that we're not to provoke our children to anger. And it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You're going to tick people off when you're provoking them. That happens. But also, I think there's an obligation on the part of the person doing the discipling and the parenting to not unnecessarily provoke our spiritual children or our natural children. But I like this because when we think of spur, I think of the cowboys and the spurs on their boots and they kind of dig it in the sides of the horse. Uh You know, and as long as the horse complies, they don't have to dig too deep. But (laughs) so. I, I like that word uh, spur as a verb and also it, it's giving motivation and incentive. And I also think of in terms of mothering and fathering and parenting, you have to know when to leave the down in the nest and when to take it out. And so I think there's an art to be learned to just like it was, you know, like now, if I could go back and raise my kids all over again, it'd be so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Hindsight, just unkind. (laughs) So there is an art that you have to learn, the spiritual parenting too, you know, and, and if you lead uh, in love, then uh, that helps, (laughs) that helps temper all things, I believe. For sure. I mean, how could it not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's the same way that, that we're handled. He handles us with love. And, and yesterday I was listening to, to Vince, Stephen and um, Mark on Invictus's broadcast, and they're, they're talking about intimacy. And it was such, if you, if you all have not listened to that, go back and listen to yesterday's broadcast 
on Invictus because it was it was so powerful that they never actually <laughs> got to the topic, but <laughs> intimacy what became the topic and 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 that it was so beautiful because they were really like laying out the the process of, of intimacy and process feels like such a wrong word when you're talking about love and intimacy, but um, it it takes time to establish that kind of a, a relationship. Jesus with us and us with Jesus, because we have barriers that, that he is going to break through. And so it's, it's going to be the same one to another, but it's just really, the question is, are you willing? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to step in and, and sometimes be the the provocation that's needed or the spur that that's needed? And, and, and even, you know, the, the, you know, cheering each other on because the encouragement is also necessary. It's just been wielded and overused. I think the, the, um, I'm just here to encourage you. Sometimes you've got to pick up your sword and, um, because that's, we're, we're not doing anybody any favors by just using encouragement. And, um, especially when, when Holy Spirit is calling for a sword, when, when he's like, okay, enough's enough, you must die. <laughs> And it's for our own good. I mean, it's the same way we're talking a lot about parenting, that no one loves to discipline their kids. And um, and that was a whole thing last night playing pickleball. We had kids out there and they don't know how to play the game. And um, one of the, the younger adults was attempting to to lead them in, in playing this game. And he's very justice oriented. So there is some lack of following the rules. <laughs> and and so he developed consequences for these little ones. Like, if you're not going to do this right, then I'm leaving kind of thing. And then he was so bummed out when that became the reality because his his own consequences <laughs> eliminated him. <laughs> So it's like we have to, it, there's an art to this and, and we have to be methodical about what it is that, that we're expecting of, of one another. And, and mostly a willingness to hit refresh. Like, do I know mm-hmm. who these people really are? Because I can't hold people hostage to what they did last year or even last week. I, I have to be able to to hit that refresh button and go, you know what? This is who God says they are. Now, what does that actually mean? Am I willing to dig into that with them and not draw conclusions on my own to, to what that means, but to partner with them and be like, what does this mean to you when God is saying this? Like, what does that look like? And, and really be, be willing to, to go the distance with people. And, and I think that, that mostly in the area of being our brother's keeper, we've become lazy. We've just become lazy and we're willing for for it to just look any old way. And if that's their decision, that's their decision. No. And I think it's the end of James where it talks about, you know, if one has gone astray, I'm going after them. If they've gone off the cliff, I'm reaching for them before they fall. You know, are we willing to go the extra mile to go and pull one back? I think that that becomes an essence of discipleship is that I am willing to go the distance with this person to call them back, call them back. And that's exhausting. 
it's exhausting. I'm, I'm not going to play. It's exhausting to <laughs> call people back, call people back, call people back. And, and we want to, to be like, whatever, I'm washing my hands of this. I've, I've done this 10,000 times and they're just not wanting to change. But what if 10,001 mm-hmm. is the time? Know, it's mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And so, and, and we, we always have to point back to like, how many times has Jesus been there? For me, when I've gone off course, you know, <laughs> certainly more than ten thousand, <laughs> and and so really, that's when when we're talking about um, being able to count the costs. That's one of them, mm-hmm. especially for a, an organization called to discipling in the manner that we are. Is it's going to take, especially when you're talking about radicals. You know, God God told us that we would raise up martyrs. And, and those are, those are radical people. If we think that these people are coming in, um, in a, a, a state of, um, soft and gentle, <laughs> <laughs> uh, compliant, they're not, these are, are headstrong radicals. You could probably point to, to Peter, the personality of Peter, or even, I mean, like, look at Paul. Talk about radical. This man is one day killing people for following Jesus. And then the next is willing to die for, for Jesus. And so these are the same kind of radicals that, that God is going to place in our care. And, and so we're going to have to be willing to go the distance with them, to pull them back, pull them back, pull them back. And, um, you know, I, I think of, you know, we've got some, some teenagers that are, are wanting to go their own way, make their own path and, and they're, they're willing to, to get busted for it. And, and that's so hard to be like, oh, but God's already shown me who you are and you're not living that life. And, um, but it's our job actually to pull them back, pull them back, pull them back when we just want to be like, okay, like you're too far gone at this point. So. I love uh, Pepper what you're talking about with relationship that that has to precede the the discipleship uh, relationship. You know, you you have to build that connection first. Otherwise, just not going to work. But uh, particularly thinking about when you transition into the point of training for uh, warfare, if you think about centuries ago in cultures where they fought face-to-face with swords and shields, there had to be an aspect of training growing up. And it started with sticks and moved on to uh, uh, more realistic weaponry. But it, it was there was pain associated with that. There's going to be times where you get hit or times where you make a wrong move. And and as we're sitting here talking about it, I, had a, I, have ne- I haven't thought about this since... Uh, I went through it in basic training was bayonet training. When you train with bayonets, it isn't uh, uh, something that's uh, a day. It's, it's many days and you are out at these things and, and pairing right, pairing left and, and your hands just start to hurt and you will get hit on your hands, even with gloves on, it still hurts. And, and thrusting the weapon into the, uh, the, the plywood with the bayonet on it, you know, it, it starts to wear on you and there's pain associated with this. And then you go into uh, the pugil stick training where you are facing off with somebody else. Yes. So you're, you're look like you're running around with giant Q-tips, but uh, it can hurt if you get hit pretty hard. And uh, 
so there, there's a progression there, but but there is an understanding of of what is taking place, and, and there's an understanding of the instruction that's coming from the drill sergeants to say, this is what you need to do. And, and, and there's an understanding of this is going to make me a better soldier and, and an understanding of, okay, I need to, in this pugilistic training, I am putting these skills that I've learned over the last, however long it was um, into practice here in, in an environment where yes, it may hurt, but um, it's training. And, and so there's a trust there. And so um, that relationship you were talking about, Pepper, that, that leads up to that definitely has to be there because in those times where you have to challenge and you have to uh, uh, step in with, with something that is difficult because you're answering the question, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, yes, I am. And I am willing to step in and challenge and have the uncomfortable conversation where it may hurt. But Pepper, like you talked about, we have the relationship capital banked uh, that says I can do this. Yeah. And and he is going to trust that in this process, while it may hurt, it is ultimately going to make me stronger and going to make me better and going to to point me towards Jesus. Right. Because that's love, too. Isn't it? <laughs> that's love. Yeah. And I think, too, just helping people to count that cost um, we have to for me it helps to think of areas in my life where there's been dying and so we have to know that balance of when to push and when to pull back and when to hold that person's hand and when to kind of drag them towards the fire and then when to just kind of back off mm-hmm. because you know, there's only so much dying you can do in community. And there's only so much dying you can even do with a single small group or a person one-on-one because we all know you reach those places, certain places in the dying process where no one can take you over that juncture. It's just you and Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have moments in when you go through those kind of processes that, you ache for someone, you know, you ache for your husband to die with you. You ache for your dog to die with you. Anybody just die with me. (laughs) (laughs) And so that would be hard because there's sometimes you just have to pull back and let that person die alone with Jesus, you know? (laughs) So um, you're right, Angie. I don't have all the answers. (laughs) I don't fully even know what it looks like, but, but if, if I can draw from my own example, we can be our brother's keeper when we know what it feels like for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think so much of it is we, we love to just glaze over things and pretend like, Oh, that didn't, that's not, that didn't affect me. But then, then we, we just, revel in it when we get away from the scenario. And so I think a, a lot of this is is going to come down to authenticity. Like, are we going to be willing to be transparent with one another? 
And, you know, when, when we are together and, and something starts to surface, are we going to be willing to say, hold on, like there's something coming up and I don't understand it, but I am feeling offense right now. You said this and this happened. It's not placing blame. It's being willing to work through things in real time. And this is not something that we're good at. We would rather mm-hmm. stuff it. And, and and revel in it later. And if we would actually just take the time to to quickly be like, you know what, right now I'm feeling a certain something. Can you help me work through this? And and I mean, look how much that frees us up to revel in the things of 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 Christ and the things that actually matter. That's going to bring transformation to our own lives and to others and ultimately expand the kingdom. And and so I think that that that's also going to be part of the DNA is really practicing being in each other's presence. What does it look like to do community together where we're not just talking about authenticity, which is, you know, a part of every mission statement across America right now, (laughs) but we become authentic and, and we're not just saying all the right things, but we're becoming the body of Christ because, um, my body knows if I have a hangnail, you know, I'm fully aware of of the parts of my body that hurt, even if they are the smallest of things. I mean, yesterday I had this weird stinging pain in between my toes and (laughs) I was very aware of that (laughs) in real time. My, my toes didn't wait until a, a more proper time to, to whine and complain about it. In real time, I became aware of it and I was capable of doing something. I was able to make an adjustment. (laughs) And so it's the same for the body of Christ that we can actually make each other aware of. Hold on. Like there's, there's something coming up for me. Can you help me sort this? And this does not give us permission to create prolonged moments of ministry where all eyes are on you. This needs to be quick. Like, let's just take care of the thing in in Mm -hmm. real time so we can move on. And um, we've got to get better at this. Just, I mean, like I took less than a minute to tend to my toe yesterday and, um, and and was able to get on. And, and that's what we need to be able to do in, in this, in this discipleship call is like in real time, let's take care of that. And, um, and, and I think mostly oftentimes those little things just need to be aired. That's it. They just need to be spoken because so many times it's a stronghold and the moment that it's exposed, it goes. Yeah. Are you going to partner with oneness or are you going to partner with offense? Come on. Is it going to be? Yeah. That, it, it really is that simple. Mm-hmm. And that's but, part of the, the, the last part of, of this mission statement is we're charged with governing the fire and fanning the flames to go out and disciple the nations. And that's what that looks like to keep the, the fire on the altar hot. Yes. From moments like that to where, because it is, and we, and I know I am, I keep going back to this and I'm going to keep doing it until we really get it. But the cadence that, that, that David kept to get the ark into Jerusalem, every six steps die. And that's what we have to be willing to do. That's what our community cadence has to, to become. And, and I go back to Pepper's teaching even from, I think it was the fall, breathe, call out cadence and cut off threats. 
And, and, and that's what that looks like. You know, it is a threat to the body when we hold on to the offense that's happening in real time. That's a threat and it needs to be cut off. So we need to practice these things. Are we breathing? Are we call, Are we remembering what the cadence is? And are we cutting off those threats? Sorry, Vince, I know I interrupted you a little bit. Oh, no, 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 that's good. I, I was just going to say, you know, with that, are you partnering with uh, um, oneness or are you partner with offense? If if you decide to partner with a fence, just know that that is going to start to to fracture oneness and it's going to ultimately cause you to hide. Yeah. And and if you are partnering with uh, oneness, then you are uh, assuming positive intent on the other person's part. And we are, are challenging and sharpening with the uh, intent to strengthen relationship, not fracture it not to be right yeah. Uh, yeah so that that was all i was going to say was yeah. uh, uh the intent in that is is relationship stuff and, and being being able to to stand in the gaze of christ in those moments right mm-hmm. like it's all about him anyway so everything that that is done and and, and it's like if does this fit in christ then it's got to go and we've seen people riddled with offense to the point where they don't even know what they're mad about they don't even know that the first clue as to what it is that that caused the offense in the first place. And it's no different than gangrene. You know, it, it, it started off as a small little thing, but because it just went undealt with, the whole leg has to be cut off. <laughs> and so offense is actually detrimental to self and to the body as a whole. And, and we've got to start dealing with that, John's adding his two cents. I heard. I was, yeah, word, <laughs> word. <laughs> and I mean, whatever yeah. happened to just letting some things go? You know what <laughs> no, I there's mean? that. We feel like we have to address every little thing. Every, you know, why? Let's just become proficient at killing and dying <laughs> on both sides of it. You know, I had a former pastor years ago that he was very proficient with his sword, you know, and we'd be having a one-on-one and he'd tell me off and I'd go away later. And I think I'd tell my friend, I think he just told me off, <laughs> but it was like a sharp surgeon's knife. Cause if the knife's dull, you feel every cut. But when that knife's sharp, quick to the point, I mean, you can get surgery done on you. <laughs> And not even know it, you know. So we need to be proficient with the sword. Because there's two sides. One side brings death and one side brings life in that double-edged sword. That's and good. so we need to know how to how to wield the sword. And we need to know how to have it wielded on us. You know, we don't have to defend everything. We don't have to justify everything. One thing I don't like being is misunderstood. but. Yeah. At some point, who cares? If God understands, <laughs> you know, we're not going to always get each other, or understand each other. Or, you know, I think sometimes we're looking for, like Vince said, to be right, that justification. And just swallow it, give it to Jesus and keep it moving. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, um, Michael Dalton talks about this and he's like, you can think whatever you want. The truth is truth and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what you gonna do with truth? 
<laughs> He's so straightforward. I love it. All right, you guys, we have come to the end of, of our time here. And, and I just want to thank Ella and Virginia and Glennis. Hello, Glennis from Wales. Long time no see. I feel like I haven't seen you around as much as I used to. And, and Lisa, guys, thanks for joining us. And of course, John, who was also singing the frozen tune, let it go. (laughs) That's his two cents on offense. And um, so anyway, thanks for joining us this morning and we'll talk soon.